Welcome to the Modern Law Library. I'm Julianne Hill. I'm your guest host and a legal affairs writer at the ABA Journal. Today, I'm joined by Michelle browning Coglin. Michelle is of counsel at ND Galley Law in Louisville, Kentucky. I'll be talking to this mom of two about her children's book, My Mom the Lawyer. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Julianne. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk. You wrote this sweet picture book in 2019. What was your motivation? Sometimes I like to joke that part of my motivation was I, I have sort of chronic insomnia. And I, I said I had watched every dateline that had ever been produced. And I figured I needed to do something else with these waking hours in the middle of the night. And I so I kind of had this idea about writing a book about moms who are lawyers and sort of showing, you know, really showing children all the different ways that what a lawyer mom could look like and uh, and really normalizing the sense about what it is to be to be a mom lawyer and and also adding in there the the idea that sometimes lawyers are portrayed very negatively on the TV which I had been watching in my insomniac state <laughs> um, uh, or on the news and wanting to be able to let children, see their lawyer mom in a very positive light. So I talk about lawyers as community helpers and problem solvers. And so had sort of this mix of ideas that were sort of uh, floating around. And I started to put that to paper and out came my mom, the lawyer. So the story is told from the points of view of several children, as you mentioned, whose moms are different types of lawyers. What age is this really geared toward? I will tell you from a purchaser standpoint, we've had to people from newborn who are moms of newborns to children who are in college or older to purchase the book because I think that so many people find the sentiment of it and the relatability of the little vignettes as told by the children to be so relatable to things that they have experienced or anticipate experiencing if their children are younger. From a a children's literature point of view, I would say this is really geared to the toddler, preschool to say second grade age group. So I think that a lot of school libraries um, have either purchased or have had this book donated to them um, tend to be the the lower school uh, age group for that. What do you find kids that age think lawyers actually do? (laughs) Well, one of the things that I thought could be a perception, because as somebody who's a first-generation college graduate um, and who didn't grow up having lawyers in my family, my real viewpoint on lawyers was kind of what you see on TV, which tends to be the law and order kind of idea of them as prosecutors or courtroom lawyers. And obviously, the practice of law is so much broader than that. And in fact, my own practice has been transactional, which, you know, certainly isn't doesn't make for a, a super glorious television series necessarily, but is a very important type of law. And so I felt that, you know, a lot of children might have a similar experience as me as really only thinking of it as being, you know, this courtroom lawyer drama kind of uh, notion of what a lawyer looks like. So that was part of why I wanted to have all these different vignettes. Because, for example, if your mom is perhaps doing work from home, which, of course, I did not know at the time that I wrote this book was going to become what everybody's lawyer mom looked like. But if uh, before COVID, if you had a mom who was a lawyer who maybe did contract work or just had a work from home role, and you might think like, well, that's not what a lawyer looks like. And so I wanted the children, what I really, really wanted was for every child and every mother who read this book to relate in some way to a story. What I wanted to do was to have a child say, oh, look, mommy, it's just like us. 
And I will say, after the book began to, or book went into publication and people began to purchase it and I would get notes back from people. And I'm almost going to cry saying this because that was the note that I got back was people saying, when we read it together, my child said, oh, mommy, look, this is a page. This is just like you. And this is just like us. And so I just found that so touching that because that's what I wanted. And uh, both from the sense of like representing diverse characters through or diverse storytellers throughout the book in terms of the way that I illustrated the book, but then also really representing a, a, a multitude of ways, a multitude of ways that practice what practicing law might look like. Right. I mean, that's something I want to talk about is the, are the illustrations. I mean, how did you choose them? I, I, I thought it was important that you're you're hitting exactly some of my thoughts. Like my dad and his brothers were things like fighter pilots and firemen and railroaders. And when you're a little kid, you know what that is. You know, that's a very visual career. And this is more, you know, law is more of a heady career and less visual. So how did you choose the images that you did? You also designed the book too. You didn't just write it. I did. Um, not necessarily because I have any talent whatsoever in that area. Um, my two daughters are lovely artists. They both have this talent that I just don't have. And I always have been uh, such an admirer of them uh, and their talent in that way. Um, and maybe they inspired me a little bit because I first wrote the text for the book. And I had some ideas about different ways that we could convey beyond just the words on the page, that deeper meaning that we could convey through the illustrations. You know, I I thought of hiring an illustrator, but frankly, I wrote this sitting on my couch in my PJs. And um, in Mother's Esquire, the organization that I founded that actually gets all of the profits from this book, which we can talk about more later if we want to, we were very, very, very thinly budgeted organization. We just didn't have, and I didn't expect them to, um, I didn't expect our organization to fund this. I was going to fund it on my own. An illustrator, hiring an illustrator was going to be very expensive. And I just didn't have a real sense about what the finances of this project were going to be. And I thought, you know, maybe I could use a program, clip art, and sort of design it myself and get it to um, really convey the meaning I wanted behind each of the little storytellers or vignettes. And then I found the program that I used and I was able to sort of layer clip art pieces on top of each other or together into to create these cohesive images. And after I did one or two, I thought, you know what, I think I can do this. And um, so then I got really excited about that part of the book and just really was felt so passionate again about not only the words being able to elicit that response of, oh, mom, look, it's just like us, but really visually having the children be able to look at the picture and say, oh, mommy, look, that looks like us. So for example, having a multiracial family, um, having a mom wearing her hijab and reading to reading with her son. And there's one cute little vignette with a, a African-American judge who is at home baking with her daughter. And she talks about, uh, the, the little girl talks about how my mom wears a black robe when she's at work, but at home she just wears normal clothes. And so I, it was just so fun to be able to really let the vision that I had for the book even really come alive by adding these illustrations along with the word. So as I got into it, I found that to be just such a rewarding part of writing the book was to being able to do the design. 
none of the characters have any features on their face, which in my mind, I think helps people fill in the blanks with their own features, right? To maybe get to that place of that looks just like me and mommy. Exactly. Um, I was able to find a sort of a cohesive set of clip art, which that I had the ability through the program that I used to manipulate too, so that I was able to potentially like have skin change skin tones so that I could have a variation in skin tones throughout the book. Again, as you said, that these were these feature, these ones with no features on the face. And I thought that's even more perfect because it is that sense of like, I can project my own face, uh, my own characteristics onto the character. So I love that. And I did have some feedback from one mom who said, you know, my little girl doesn't like it that the features, that the characters don't have features on their face. And I said, oh, would you tell her that the reason I did that is because I wanted her to draw the picture to make it look just like she wanted it to look so that she can draw the faces on for me. And so that was a really kind of cute anecdote for, of, of, of response from one family who got the book. In one of the little vignettes, the kids talk about going to law school with their mom. And isn't that what your kids did? Didn't they go to law school with you? They sure did. So my oldest daughter, who, by the way, just decided on where she's going to go to college this fall. So that'll give you a sort of time time, uh, frame for this this experience. Um, She was nine months old when I started law school. And so she um, and she would go into the school with me sometimes. And we I have cute pictures of her sitting next to me and I'm holding my contracts, giant contracts textbook. And she's holding her, you know, little ducky text, her book um, sitting next to me. Then my second daughter was born during law school. So I was very, very, very pregnant um, one semester. I was nine months pregnant taking my finals. So having had that experience myself, I wanted that to be a vignette. And then uh, within the book, but additionally, I had an experience of being an adjunct law professor at the same time that I was writing this book. And two of the students in my class were also mothers and would sometimes have to bring one of their children to the class. And so sort of those those pages or that story, that storyteller within the book was a um a mix of my own experience and also being a law uh, adjunct law professor and watching my students with that experience. And so it was sort of dedicated to my students from that semester. You talked about how people now are working from home and you didn't know that when you wrote this book. And you, But you also talk about kids going to the office, which also made me think about early COVID when people were bringing their kids who, when lawyers were thought of as essential workers and they had to go to the office and they brought their kids in the office. Um, so you, you were, you were, you're a fortune teller as well. Apparently <laughs> in this book. Well, that, you, you were predicting the future. I guess unintentionally, I, I certainly, um, I, I felt like I certainly, there were some pages in there that uh, became even more true than I thought of them at the time I was writing them. Um, the inspiration behind that particular vignette of the child coming to the office, if, if you'll recall that the sort of storyline behind it is that the mom gives her, you know, copy, pa- gives the, her children copy paper and highlighters and crayons from her drawer, and they draw pictures and she tapes them on the wall behind her. Well, to this day, I have a folder, a manila legal folder full of drawings that my girls would draw when they would have to come to the office with me from time to time. And I would, or they would tape them up onto the wall behind me. And, uh, you know, over time I would replace 
other ones, you know, older ones with newer ones, but I always had taped pictures from them on the wall behind me. And I wanted to convey that personal experience of mine from them being visiting me in the office. Well, that seems like a good place for us to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. When we come back, I'll be asking Michelle about storytelling and the challenges of being a mom in law. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Welcome back to the Modern Law Library. I'm here with Michelle Browning Coglin, author of the children's book, My Mom the Lawyer. Michelle, you also write a blog and some articles. How has your training as a lawyer, how has it helped you with your storytelling? Oh, that's such an insightful question, um, Julianne. I think I have a, sort of an unusual background as a lawyer. I began with having a biochemistry degree with an intention of going to medical school and then transitioning into deciding to go. I started medical school and decided to, to take a leave of absence after a single first semester and transitioned into becoming a social worker. I have a master's degree in social work. And during that time, I did a good amount of writing as well. But I also worked on children's, um, children's development and in particular children's literacy. So I served on committees and ran projects that had to do with developing children's literacy, children's literary skills, and they're, um, they're, you know, obviously focused on having them have good reading skills from the time they were born, like really thinking as caregivers how to invest in children having loving reading and loving literature from, from an early age. And so I brought that into then going to law school and having my own children who I was thoroughly committed to having them be surrounded by books and reading to them all the time, and then into the the kind of training we get as lawyers about how to write and how to be persuasive and um, how to be concise and all of those things. And I feel like just that whole um, mix of things resulted in the way that I write today. You're a member of the ABA Presidential Commission on Women, and you're the founder of Mothers Esquire, which you mentioned earlier, and that's a nonprofit which advocates for gender equity, motherhood, caregiver issues. How did these groups help inspire or and or influence the book? I have to say that my mom, the lawyer, 
sort of the initial seed of that was as a love letter really to Mother's Esquire, which is the organization that I founded back in 2013. Um, at, in 2013, you know, having graduated from law school by that time and started working as an associate in a, a very large law firm here in Louisville, Kentucky, I really felt that even though I was in this large law firm, I didn't really look around and see a lot of other moms who were practicing law or didn't know exactly how who to ask questions of. And I just thought about how do we balance and sort of juggle all of these priorities and all of these commitments that we have in our lives? Because I wouldn't have been sitting at that desk in that law firm if I wasn't an ambitious, driven person. But that same level of ambition and, and drive also applied to how I sort of looked at motherhood. I wanted to be a very active, present, you know, loving, uh, engaged mother. And so trying to figure out how to manage all of that seemed a bit overwhelming at times. And, and I just didn't feel like I had a big community to step into. And I thought, I know I'm not the only person out there who sort of feels this push and pull and strain. There's got to be more of us. And so I started Mother's Esquire um, as this little tiny Facebook group. But um, now 10 years later, it's grown into a nonprofit. Um, it has around 8,000 members in the group now. And and I just, as of this year, rolled into past president and soon to be off the board. And so I feel like as I'm launching my first child off into college, I'm also launching Mother's Esquire off into its own adult life as well, which is sort of a funny, interesting timing um, that, that has all come about together. And then because of all of the work that I've done as I've developed Mother's Esquire over the years, it became a common thing to hear a, hear people expressing challenges that they were having in the profession and seeing themes and, you know, really seeing like consistent issues that were coming up over and over again. And then that drove me to be interested in becoming a member of the ABA Commission on Women so that I could hopefully elevate um, and amplify what we were hearing through this wonderful community on into the level where hopefully we could do bigger and broader work to address these issues that were happening or bring more awareness to them through the commission. And so that has been a wonderful, this is my third year on the commission and, and final year, you're only allowed to serve for three years. And I'm so grateful for this time and the work I've been able to do. And in fact, we're getting ready to launch what has been my most important, I think, contribution to my work at the commission. And that is a national study on parenting and caregiving. We'll look forward to reading that. Is this book, is My Mom the Lawyer also sending a message to the moms as well to let them know that they're not alone? Absolutely. I really, again, I wrote this as a love letter to the members of Mother's Esker. I was really writing this for the moms because if I were to boil down what I think can be one of the biggest obstacles or challenges into one word, I would use the word guilt. I think we put so much pressure on mothers in our society to be this certain kind of idealized, all-giving, all-nurturing, sort of beautiful, angelic, wonderful, um, you know, loving person who produces these perfect children. And, and obviously that's a bit of a hyperbolic way of describing it, but it is a lot of pressure to be present to you know, be all giving. I, I think that we put so much pressure on moms that 
I just wanted, and then there's so much, well, um, and there's so much pressure in the legal profession too, to be these driven, available 24 seven, almost perfect uh, lawyers that the two of those things together feels very, very heavy. And I wanted moms to read this book and see that they're not alone, that there's so many of us out there. And I wanted it to show them in in that positive light that I talked about earlier about the work that we do is important. We are community helpers. We are problem solvers. And our voice matters. And that's why my favorite page in the whole book is in the vignette where it's talking about my mom ran for office because that's another way, another place where moms often are treated poorly or viewed poorly because there's this sense that moms that are running for political office should be home taking care of their kids, not running for political office. But we need their voices to be out there and representing and talking about their experiences. It's so critical that that's one of the voices that's deciding about policy and law. And so I wanted to create a vignette talking about a mom running for office And then in one of the pages, I say, because my mom is a lawyer and a mom, I think she's going to be a great leader. And I really wanted to use that specific word about leader because I think there are such gender biases around what we think of when we use the word leader. And it often tends to be a white male. And I wanted to expand the definition of what that word is going to look like. So that's one of my favorite pages because I just want moms to feel that sense of, I am such an important voice in this community. The work that I do is so important and that I am a leader. And so I hope that when moms read the book, that's what they feel. It's kind of giving them some permission to be both lawyer and mom and succeed at both. Absolutely, 100%. And and one of there's one particular vignette that I thought was the most important uh, in there in terms of both the way that moms and children might experience a certain thing that happens to all of us, kind of ties back to that guilt word I talked about earlier. There's one vignette where it says, "I my I had a school a school performance today, but my mom couldn't come." So my grandpa came instead, but my mom was so excited to hear about it when I got home. And I wanted that vignette to be in there so purposefully so that when moms and children read that together, they could say, oh yeah, mom, that's like the time that you didn't get to come to my show, but I do remember that dad came or or my aunt came or somebody came. It's like, so realizing that mom's not the only person in your community who loves you and supports you and that it's okay if mom misses something, but really giving that mom permission to know it's okay if you don't see everything, it's okay if you miss something and that your child's going to be more resilient for the times when you can't be there and for the times that you can. And so not to let that guilt word hang over you every time something doesn't go quite as according to plan or every time that perhaps you have to miss something. This seems like another good place to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. When we return, I'll be asking Michelle about role models. Welcome back to the Modern Law Library. I'm talking with Michelle Browning-Coglin, She's the author of the children's book, My Mom the Lawyer. 
Your book underscores the need for female role models. And in your dedication, you mentioned Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Was she your role model? I have to say, I feel such a sort of kinship around some of the experiences that we faced and that we both had children during law school, both were married during law school, both have a passion for gender equity. I don't feel that it's uh, even appropriate to put myself in the same sentence with her because the work that she did was incredible. But she's certainly somebody who I look to to see if I can do a tenth of what she did or a hundredth of what she did to advance gender equity, then I would feel that I had served my purpose very well. So she's definitely someone whose life I have admired as a lawyer. So as I was reading the book, it seemed to me that this book isn't just talking about that particular child's mom. The book offers an opportunity to show all sorts of women being all sorts of role models. You talk about one mom being a politician. We know that that's less than like, say, 30% of Congress people are women and, and judges too. Can you talk a little bit about that, that it gives the book maybe opening the eyes of children to career opportunities for girls and women in the future? Yes. I, I mentioned this earlier that when we think of the word leader, if we think of the word CEO or we think of police captain or there's so many words and careers that when we think of it, um, even things like doctor and lawyer, is that we have a tendency to have that gender bias that's going to more likely make us assume that these leadership roles are held by men. So by showing women holding those leadership book, leadership roles, um, in the book, hopefully that is then setting forth the idea that not only could a, a child reading this book relate to that as their mom being in that role, but also see here's a bunch of different kinds of ways that lawyers help our communities and potential careers for me going forward. And I think a little boy reading this would also see, here's a bunch of different ways that lawyers practice law and ways that I might want to, to practice law. So I think that it does serve, and I think that's why schools have put it in their libraries, is and, and a lot of the moms within Mother's Esquire will take that book and read it on career day or when they're the reader for the day and gives them the chance to talk to kids about all the different ways that they can be a lawyer. So I think that that's a, a nice benefit of the book as well. Military lawyers get a nod in your book too. Can you talk about why that's important to you? Yeah. So one of the board members in our On Mother's Esquire is a military spouse. And so I had been very involved in or learned a lot through her work, through her work on the board about Military Spouse JD Network, which is another wonderful organization out there that does a lot of good work in the legal profession space. And I wanted to create one of the stories that would recognize, and in my case with the vignette, I wanted to recognize that the lawyer was serving, the mom was serving in the lawyer role, and to talk about the adventures that children might have. So for example, moving to another country, um, meeting people from other, um, you know, other places or eating new foods and, and what that would look like, because that is a huge sacrifice that military members make and, and often does uproot their families, maybe multiple times. Times. And so I wanted to have a vignette that would represent that experience and honor the work that military, um, military lawyers do for the profession. You also show people living with disabilities as lawyers. Can you talk a little bit about 
why that's so important to you? Yes. So again, one of my biggest motivations in the book was that that notion that kids were going to say, oh, look, it's just like us. And one of the just like us us examples was having um, someone represented in a, a, a in the case of the book in a wheelchair. That was probably the best way that I could think of to visually represent a person who um, has a, a disability. I myself also have a medical disability. In fact, as we're sitting here today, I'm sitting here with a, uh, a neck brace on, as you as you know, um, having just recovered from, uh, um, or just in the process of recovering from a spinal fusion surgery that's related to my medical disability. So that's one of the pages that we could look at together and say, oh, look, it's us. <laughs> um, so I wanted to make sure that, again, any child anywhere reading this story was going to be able to find themselves in that page. And certainly I think there is so much more work the profession needs to do around ensuring that lawyers with disabilities are included and that they are seen, that their contribution to this profession is fully realized. And um, and I have had my own struggles with being able to practice, um, fully practice and fully engage in the profession because of not always in the past having had my disability uh, accommodated. And so I think that that's a place where I hope that that plants a little seed for us to do work that still is very much yet to be done, I think, in the legal profession and, and beyond. I found it interesting that in some of the vignettes, dads were staying home with the kids and grandpas were watching. This book isn't just for moms, it's for whole families and everybody playing all sorts of supportive roles for everyone else. That's such a great observation and was very intentional on my part because until we see men as caregivers and that until we honor the role of caregivers, our country sees caregiving as free labor that should be provided and they don't honor that work. And we've also tended to put a gender to that work. And that has almost always shifted towards women. And I wanted to role, have role models, uh, I wanted to, to model through the book, men being caregivers, so men being stay-at-home dads. And, and one of the things that I think is an important advocacy um, issue for us through Mother's Esquire is paternity leave. Unfortunately, we've we are so low ranked uh, in the world is in terms of even offering maternity leave. So to push for paternity leave feels like an even huger challenge. Um, that said, until we say to parents at the beginning of their journey as parents and caregivers that they are both equally needed and that they are both equally um, welcome to take time as new parents to bring their uh, newborn baby or adopted baby into their family and to begin to develop that relationship with them, we are never going to see gender equity because we are still communicating to families from the get-go that mom's the caregiver and dad goes back to work two days after the baby is born. And that is until we change that perception, women are going to continue to feel that disproportionate um, obligation uh, to, to do the majority of the caregiving or, or and, and men are also seen as their caregiving nature is not being acknowledged. And so to the extent that a man wants to change that, they're discouraged from doing so. So I think it's so harmful to everybody in this equation that we don't show and role model moms and dads or any uh, whatever gender identity that they are invested in caregiving and that it's such an important part of our lives. 
You wrote this book when your kids were little, and now that they're grown or growing up, are your kids showing any signs of going into law? <laughs> so my kids are following, it seems, into their father's foot or in their father's footsteps, and he is a teacher, a school teacher. So so far, no interest in law. Although I will tell you that my child's, uh, my children's high school is a really lovely, um, wonderful place with with a really great uh, curriculum. And so my daughter, who's a senior this year, has taken two law law electives. Um, so she took constitutional law last semester, and she's taken reproductive rights law this semester. So we'll see. Maybe they may change their tune as they get a bit older. We'll see. I also know you're about to join the faculty of Northern Kentucky University's Chase School of Law. Congratulations. But along with that, do you have any writing projects that are next for you? Will we see more books from you? <laughs> you will see more writing from me, certainly. I don't know about books. I have loved this process and project of my mom, the lawyer, but having become a new uh, tenure track faculty member about to start at Chase College of Law, um, I will be doing scholarly writing and hopefully publishing. And so my first paper that I do um, hope to get published is going to be about parental continuance leave rule, which is a gender equity rule that um, that I'm advocating for to be adopted by all states, uh, all court systems, which is getting back to that message we we're just talking about to give moms and dads both the opportunity to request a court, give them a parental leave time or a continuance in their cases for a maternity and paternity leave uh, timeframe. So um, actually that's what I hope will be the next piece you'll see from me. Thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. And thank you listeners for joining us too. I'm Julianne Hill from the ABA Journal, and I'm filling in for your usual host, Lee Rawls. If you enjoyed this episode of the Modern Law Library, please rate, review, and subscribe in your favorite podcast listening service. And if you've read a book that you'd like us to consider, you can always reach us at books at abajournal.com. Mm-hmm.